Hey everybody. Man, we're really excited to have Lacey Toller with us today. Now, Lacey and her husband Daniel founded an organization called Rescue One Global. And it really started as an awareness action campaign that has grown to a full-fledged rescue, prevention, and restoration uh, organization. Um, They are fighting anti-trafficking not only here in the U.S., but around the world. Uh, They're located right outside of Nashville. And, man, their story is amazing. Um, The things they're doing are pretty incredible. And so we're really excited to have Lacey with us to tell us a little bit about her story today, how they got started in all of this, and exactly what is Rescue One. So why don't we go ahead and jump into the podcast, and let's hear from Lacey. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Rooted Deep, a podcast featuring Reba Bowman and Allison Hale. Hey everybody, this is Reba. Welcome to Rooted Deep. Allie and I are here today and really excited. We're doing an interview today, Allie, and uh, it's somebody that we both have history with. All right. So that's always fun when we have history with the person that's on the show with us. And I think people and I think people can can understand, like once we start an interview, you can always hear who we have history with and who we're just meeting because <laughs> right. you, know, you just never know. But last week we we're excited. But last week, Reba and I were able to just kind of sit down and talk about women's ministry and the women's ministry that we're doing in, you know, in the Dominican Republic, in Guatemala, and how, how uh, Reba is launching into, um, into something exciting. And so we, we wanted this week to talk, to, to introduce everybody to um, our interviewee, uh, Lacey. And so we're really excited about, about this interview. Lacey and I met on a missions trip years ago, but this, if you think about it, this was the pastor's kid and a missionary's kid on a missions trip. <laughs> and so we were probably not the best, um, we were probably not the best mission kid, you know, missionary participants um, ever. But you know, hey, we're doing we're doing pretty good now in the ministries, right, Lacey? It's that uh, remember when they're old, they won't depart from it. So that's yes. where we're at. We're, we're getting the, we're in the old stage. We we did not depart that's from so, the truth. That is true. That is so funny. So Lacey Toller of Rescue One is here with us today, wow. and one of the cool things is so Allie knew her. As young people, uh, you know, hanging out on on the mission field together a little bit. Um, I knew her actually as a ball player. Uh, So uh, I met Lacey as really a phenomenal, phenomenal basketball player. And uh, she played for a year for me or so when we I coached at Tennessee Temple. And so um, so it was so crazy because, uh, you know, you lose. Allie was talking about how they lost connection after that mission trip. I lost connection with Lacey after, you know, after her being with us uh, on my team. And then we kind of come full circle and we're sitting here today in such a weird place. Mm. So all these wild connections, but really we're all three in some way doing the exact same thing, uh, just doing it in a little bit different way. So, uh, man, Lacey, we're so glad you're here today and we're excited to talk about Rescue One Global and what you guys are doing for the sake of women around the globe. Well, it's great to be here with you guys today, both of you. Um, even though we have different past connections, it's really cool to see God's small world and um, even the ministry and the hearts that 
we all had even one time coming back together. So this is pretty awesome. Yeah. That's exciting. So thank you for joining us. I wanted to ask you, first of all, I wanted to ask you kind of when you, um, what you, when I first met you re like kind of re was re reacquainted a few years ago, you were in Thailand and I yeah. just, I was so fascinated with, I was doing rescue ministry in the Dominican Republic and you were doing rescue ministry in Thailand. And, um, so just tell us how that got started and, and what you've been doing. <clears throat> Well, you know, I had typical upbringing, being a pastor's kid my whole life. And, you know, like you said, meeting you on the mission field. And so missions, which is a part of my life. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew from a young age that I felt like God had called me into full-time ministry, but all, all um, like happens often. We, you know, go through life and make mistakes. And actually that's my time frame where I intersected with Reba was she was my coach and at Tennessee temple. And, um, you know, I fell into some stuff and just made some really poor choices, ended up pregnant, um, uh, before I got married and, and that guilt and shame that heaped upon me. Um, I, I thought maybe I was disqualified. Like maybe mm. that had ruined the opportunity for me to ever be used by God ever again. And we know fast forward, the grace and mercy of God, how it comes in and intercedes in our Absolutely. life. Um, that is so important for people to think that you've never gone too far. You've yeah. never stepped too far away from Jesus mm -hmm. to turn what, to turn back around and do whatever it is God has for you. And so, um, a little over 13 years ago, I found myself and my husband saying, mm -hmm. okay, we know what God has for us and we just now need to step into it. And so we sold everything we had here in America and moved to Thailand. Um, and that's where we started. Our missional journey was, okay, we're going to go um, to work with the um, unreached people group the that is in a foreign country called Laos. Actually, we lived in Thailand because it's free. Laos is communist. And so we were working with the underground persecuted church. And so I lived right on the border, right on the river, and I would smuggle and go under undercover and um, been detained for my faith. And so I have really cool stories of faith with Jesus through that. But the one thing that happened while we were on the mission field was our then nine-year-old daughter was attempted to be abducted and trafficked while we were missionaries on the mission field. And that's really where human trafficking left just being some word out there. This exploitation mm -hmm. concept just left kind of that far distant happens in a third world country, not really, you know, close to home kind of a thing, right. but it happened to our family. It happened to our wow. daughter. And so we started looking, okay, how can we get help for our own daughter? How could we find resources for her specifically while we were on the mission field? And, you know, we had a choice to make. It was another crossroad. Either we hightail at home back to the U.S. in fear, or we stay where God had planted us and say, okay, God, what do you want us to learn from this? What did you want us to take from this? And we just couldn't find, you know, 11 years ago, we couldn't find human trafficking organizations out there, especially right. faith-based Christian organizations that were diving into this fight. You know, Allie, there was people like you who were out there, but it still didn't even have a name around it, really. It didn't have, yeah. A, yeah, it right. didn't have a box or focus or um, it wasn't clear cut for yeah. any of us. And so that's really how Rescue One got birthed in mine and Daniel's heart specifically. And from there, it was just pioneering the way because nobody wrote the book on doing what we're all doing today. <laughs> Right. Yeah. That's absolutely true. And so, so now you currently live in Tennessee, so uh, you're in the Nashville area, I think. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So we, um, shortly after we started rescue one, we came back to the U S thinking we were just going to raise awareness, um, raise funds and go back to Thailand. But we were here for our first furlough after being overseas for two years and someone 
approached us when we were speaking in a public forum about the ministry of Rescue One and how what we thought God's vision with us was for. And they said, well, what about the U.S.? Does it happen in the U.S.? And then shortly after that, I started going, well, that's a good question. We're probably going to get asked that question more often. So I should find out. And so I began to look and try to find someone right here in Tennessee who was fighting trafficking, who was talking about it. And again, there was few and far between. There wasn't a whole lot of awareness out there. There wasn't a whole lot of information. And so I grabbed a hold of a few people and they said, oh no, it does happen right here in the U.S. And so my husband and I began to pray and ask God, okay, what does this mean for us? You didn't give us this information for us to sit on it. And if there's nobody in our hometown where we were both raised doing something, maybe God, you want us to do something both here and there. And so that's where we launched into Rescue One, thinking it was just going to be an awareness uh, campaign. But awareness leads to the identification of victims. Right. And then the identification of victims leads to the need for rescue, which leads to the need for restoration. And so it just began to be this snowball effect. And then it was like, what have we gotten ourselves into? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm putting survivors in my house, which is not something than you should do. I'm going out on the streets where there are drug deals happening. I'm going to the crime scene with cops. I'm like, oh my goodness, I am this little preacher's kid and my bubble has been broken wide open um, to yeah. see the depravity of man, um, to find myself in some of the deepest, darkest places on the planet, knowing that they were 10 minutes from my home where I grew up or, you know, and so it left just being something that we were doing in a third world country overseas, which is 10 times the problem and so needed, but it brought it home to my backyard, to our backyard right here um, in Tennessee. And so we work now in Thailand and the Philippines, and then we also work here in the U.S. And so we're currently the only licensed safe home for children in the entire state of Tennessee. And so we take in children average ages between 10 and 17 um, of the girls that have been in our home. We have taken in as many as nine uh, male victims as well. There's only one home in the entire country for male victims of human trafficking. And then also we have a home for women and then a home for women with children. We're one of the only ones in the nation who allows women to bring their children into recovery program with them. Um, and so it's just really cool. And, you know, 10 years ago, eight years ago, I can say nobody wrote the book. Well, we've written the book on how to do this and really work hard um, to do what we do. So we do prevent, rescue, and restoration. And those are our three-pronged approach to fighting trafficking. And we do that both here in the U.S. and then around the globe. Wow. That is incredible because I think that you know, I think there's a lot of, a lot of, in fact, when I go speak, one of the biggest questions I get asked is by a mother here in the U.S. who watches the news or watches a movie yeah. um, or, you know, or who sees something and just says, oh, my word, you know, what can I do to protect my daughter? You know, how big of a deal is this? You know, what is the issue? Um, how do I get my arms around it? And these are some huge concerns on a lot of a lot of people's um, minds as they start raising daughters, even just right here in the U.S. Right. And the average age of entry into the sex industry in the U.S. is 13. Now, the average age of entry, you know, where Ali is or over in Thailand is the average age is nine, which is even younger. Um, but average age in America is 13, which means that these predators are targeting our children. They're targeting them in middle school. You know, these kids are 
have technology that's all around them. And really, you know, back when we were all younger, it was stranger danger in the park, you know, be careful of the guy in the supermarket or at Central Park or wherever you're at. But now you and I as moms and aunts and, and grandmas can be sitting in our living room watching our favorite TV show and our children are in the bedroom with the predators. Yeah. You know, the, there's a statistic out there that 750,000 predators at any given time are trolling for our children. Mm-hmm. And these are our American-born children. These are not people that have been brought here from other foreign countries. These are our babies. These are our nieces, nephews, daughters, granddaughters boys. And so my encouragement Reba, to the women that you're, you're talking about, the moms that you're talking about is, you know, be, be leery of your technology that you're allowing your children to have. It's good, but it's also a bad thing all at the same time. And so know that your kids have multiple social media accounts, know that you should know how to get to those. Don't think yourself a bad mom because you um, are, you know, prying into your children's information. No, it's because you love them and you want to protect them. And so that's what's very, very important. Yeah, absolutely. Because it doesn't take long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead, Allie. Yeah. Well, I wanted, it de- like you said, it doesn't take long for, for and, and children, I, I, I was with my friend the other day, and, and she just found the second, um, the second Instagram account of her daughter, and then, and she was like, and she was already reading some of the comments, and, mm-hmm. and it, there, there was an obvious, and it's obvious to a 40-year-old woman, that's <laughs> a predator, that's, not, right. but it's not obvious to a 10-year-old kid, that's um, right. why is this person talking to me and saying I'm cute, you know, and, right. um, and, 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 and so moms do need to be so vigilant, um, about, about that issue. Right. And so I always tell moms, like, again, don't be afraid to get in the middle of your kid's business. Also, Absolutely. when you find something, know that there are places and people like the three of us that you can reach out to and say, mm-hmm. I am terrified, or I don't know what to do with this information. You know, I work right here in the U S. Um, we have a team of rescue Um, people that are on our team and they're former military, former law enforcement. And I have had moms who call me and say, could you help me analyze my child's phone and see if there's something that I should be overly concerned about? And so we have a team of of, um, guys that can help us, you know, do some forensic looking even at, at, at kids' phones because we know that, man, that could be a dangerous person that they're speaking to. And so don't ever be afraid to go too far to protect your kids. Mm. Yeah, you know, and I think so much about parents not sticking their head in the sand when it comes That's to right. technology, uh, but actually being able to be a, you know, an, an advocate for your kid by getting involved in your kid's lives to know, you know, what's going on. Um, right. If you can't turn their phone on, you're, you've got a problem, you know, right. Uh, right. if you can't figure out what's going on. But also, you know, mom came to me, it's probably about two years ago, and um she shared with me their story and, you know, her doctor, her daughter hit a really low point in life, yeah. broken up with a boyfriend, crisis points. And she reached out online for a sugar day. And this yep. girl just, you know, and all of a sudden this mom is going, what do I do? And I mean, we had to get a team of people involved in that to protect that girl because now right. all of her information, including her address was out there right. um, to, to be had. And so I think that, you know, for parents to be able to say, look, I'm not going to sit back and say, this probably won't happen to my kid. I'm actually going to really get aggressive right. and start having conversations to, with my daughters and sons 
about right. the importance of staying safe and what that looks like today. And it's like you said, it's not be careful when you go to the park, stranger danger. Mm -hmm. It's completely different now. And it's an online presence. And I think, uh, man, if you, as a parent, if you're listening and you're really not sure what to do, you really need to get informed and be able to step right. into your kids' lives. That's right. That's for sure. Yeah. We, um, you would be surprised. Most people are really shocked at the demographics of the girls that we have in our U.S.-based safe home here in Tennessee. You know, they're they're normally just, you know, white middle-class girls. Upper, You know, we even have had to sign a non-disclosure form for a young lady in our home of a prominent evangelical radio pastor um, who found themselves in this, you know, kind of mix-up and mess. And it's it's all because, you know, God created us as women, to want to be loved and protected and want to be, want to feel beautiful. And Satan, just like he does so well, he gets in what God created to be good and beautiful and he twists it to be something evil and, and gross and just riddled with sin. And so evil men have taken something that's good and they get in there and they prey on those emotions of I'm 14, I feel fat, ugly, and I just want to be accepted. And they go and talk to them and tell them how much they love them. And it's that easy. It's that fast to get them wooed in. And, you know, at first, the other thing that us moms sometimes feel in this is guilt. I know I did like, what could I have done different? How is it? I mean, my, my daughter was raised in a good godly home with loving parents and we didn't have dysfunction. I mean, we just, we set her up for success and yet she still was able to fall trapped to this. And the part of the story I didn't continue to say is that, you know, that happened when she was nine, but because of the trauma that she experienced, it caused her to go into those depressions and that mm -hmm. feeling worthless and, and thinking something was stolen from her. And so at, 13 and 14, she got back online again and did the exact same thing that you were talking about, Reba, that this mom was saying, just talking to guys because she was sitting there and, you know, I was homeschooling my kids at this time. And so she had a lot of time to be on yeah. technology. And so we were using online services to homeschool our kids. And so she was just sitting there chatting with guys while she's doing her schoolwork. And, and I didn't know and I'm in the middle of this. This is, this was not like, this was after rescue one was started. So my daughter had heard all the one-on-one -on -one speeches about what it is and how to protect yourself. And yet she was falling trap again, a second time, um, different circumstances. And so I tell people often, if it can hit my family as well-versed in, in, understanding that we are about human trafficking and the dangers, it can happen to any family, um, that's out there. So, yeah, absolutely. You've talked about um, putting some, you know, obviously to our listeners, putting some guardrails on, um, you know, with technology and everything. But I wanted to ask you, the last time you and I spoke, you were about to leave, or I think you were on a, a retreat with your staff. I think you guys, right. like, um, stopped the retreat, met with Allie via Zoom <laughs> in the Dominican. I was really grateful for that. And then, um, and then you went, what are some things that you, um, as a family, and then also some things that you, as a ministry, put in place, um, to protect your spiritual health. Um, because we are in deep, dark places right. and we can turn and start looking. And I, I remember sitting there talking with a friend of mine who is in a similar ministry. And she's like, sometimes you come home and you start looking at your husband differently because you're just mm -hmm. like, man, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And <laughs> right. you can't take it out on them, but what are some things that you can put that you are putting in place for your family? Um, you know, as you're, you know, fighting the spiritual battle. Well, that's a good um, question. And 
the first thing is, is that this is a spiritual battle. This is not against flesh and blood. And so to, to counter your one little point there about, you know, looking at my husband differently, men, mm-hmm. um, we've actually learned to have pity on those men because we realize that they are just as enslaved to sin, self, and Satan as these girls are enslaved to them and self and Satan as well. And so to know that they need a savior just as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things we do for our children is that we involve our children in our ministry to the every degree. Um, it's, some of this goes back to maybe even what we were talking about a minute ago about, you know, you don't wait until you have to search your kid's social media account to find out and have that conversation. If you're not already having conversations about their value and their worth and their biblical sexuality and all of those things prior to the time that they're, you know, 12 and 13, then, you know, you're kind of a little bit late to the game. Mm -hmm. And so you need to start that ahead of time. It's never too late, but you know, make sure that if you have the chance, start it when they're young, open those lines of communication. And so for our family, um, sex is not a taboo subject for us. You know, I I told you about being pregnant, going to Tennessee Temple and getting pregnant and not being married. And my 24 year old son, you know, never, ever once thought he was a mistake. Mm. Never once has he not known that he wasn't conceived prior to being, you know, us being married. And so we just, left those topics of we are all humans, we all make mistakes, and we're going to all fail in different ways. And so as you struggle, I want to create a safe place in my home for my kids to to talk and to express themselves and say, mom, I don't feel good. And I I don't understand this thing or this thing is happening in the world. You know, my husband kind of talked about rabbit trails, a little rabbit trail. The other day, my 16-year-old daughter came and sat on the bed and she was just crying. And she said, mom, I think I need to go talk to a therapist or like somebody. And at first I kind of pushed that away. And I live in a world that we use mental health counselors every day, all day long. But my own child telling me that I kind of pushed it away. Like, ah, we'll just, you know, you can talk to a youth leader. We'll, We'll talk later. But I got to thinking about it later. And I thought this generation is being raised in an entirely different world than I was Mm -hmm. raised in Mm -hmm. the way my parents parented me. I cannot parent my children the same way. And so I, I, I stuck, I stepped back and I said, my kids are bombarded with sin in the world 24 seven because of technology, you know, Allie, when you and I were growing up, all, all our parents had to do was cut the TV off and we were, you know, cut off from the world. My parents would just flip the breaker and there would be no electricity. That's right. And I can't have anything. That's right. But we can't do that today. It's just, they're, they're bombarded with, with Mm -hmm. sin. They're bombarded with anger and hurt and hatred and, and things of this world. And so we need to realize that our kids need different resources today Mm -hmm. than we did when we were growing up. And so I'm coming to learn that. And so part of our our family is we sit with some spiritual counselors on a regular basis and our children now are are sitting with someone on a regular basis because they're seeing the deep, dark depravity of the world, even more than just the news or what's on social media. You know, they see it brought into our own home because we bring survivors in and love on them and have dinner with them. And they work at the safe house with us. And so Mm -hmm. I'm having to be more cautious about my own children and and not that I'm going to keep them away from it, but I'm going to protect their heart by giving them avenues to reach out for help in different ways. Um, Daniel and I try to spend a lot of time dating each other um, and just taking walks together, um, studying the Bible together and, and knowing that 
no matter who else is in the world, he and I are the most important people to each other. Even, even beyond our children, it's he and I, it's kind of he and I against the world some days. And that's how we feel. But, um, he completes me. I complete him, which it's an amazing relationship that we have. Um, and I'm just blessed that God knew what he was doing 25 years ago and that we could have just been another statistic and yet we weren't. Um, and God saw fit to allow us to stay together. But for our team, we, um, we do retreats. We do spiritual retreats. The one you're talking about, we took our entire team to the beach and rented an Airbnb because it was the middle mm-hmm. of COVID and it was the safest place we could go somewhere and stay together. And, um, but just even a few weeks ago, we had a full day where we bought in three pastors from mm-hmm. three different walks of life and a worship leader. And we had a full day of just yeah. Worship God, let someone pour into us about who mm. God is and the mission that God has on our lives and and just got on our faith together mm. and fought fought that spiritual warfare, you know, on our knees, worshiping Jesus together and and realizing that that's where the battle lies is in the heavenlies and not against each other because you know missions falls apart mainly because of our own human relationships. That's why missionaries leave the field most is because of inner turmoil and relationships. And so we're trying to head that off, um, creating unity um, with Christ around the team. And so we have a staff now, a full full blown staff of about 16 or 17 people um, just here in the U S and then we have another eight to 10 on in each country. And so we have a staff of almost 40 people that Daniel and I are responsible for every day. And, Leading them, um, leadership is lonely. Uh, it's heavy. We all know that. It's the loneliest place on the planet. So um, for any of your listeners who are leaders, know that you're not alone because there's the rest of us that all feel lonely <laughs> all at the same time. Um, so there's just different things that we do like that. That's, that's, and I that's love really that because yeah. it really is because I think that a lot of times this is the skipped over thing. I think there's an attitude in ministry that's like you've got to be You've got to be Superman or Superwoman and every, you know, and so you just, you just keep pouring in, in a, we talk about this a lot, pouring out of something that's totally empty. You're never pouring in you. So you just constantly are pouring out, which is a recipe for disaster, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as people move forward in ministry. So I think, man, it's such great things that you said, but also I think anybody listening can pull those concepts right over into their homes because, Mm, you know, it's so important for mom and dad to connect in relationship that gives your daughter a healthy vision of what it is to be a good man. I I think that's, and and that relationship with her father, I can't even express how much it's important for that daddy daughter relationship to be strong and positive so that she has, you know, a sound, uh, background and foundation for a relationship with her future husband and you know so there's just so many components there as mom and dad have their relationship and then as the kids are involved and have their relationship and such really such wise counsel that you gave there about giving your kids an opportunity to be parented different than you were parented because you're right everything is nothing looks this just technology alone if you just took that one little thing it's flipped the world upside down but then you add every other piece to it and you know our kids can't be parented by tiktok you know that's right (laughs) and they think they they think they need to be parented by tiktok today but it's just those are bad those are platforms that the devil wants to use to distract our Mm -hmm. kids from what really life is and so um i just encourage people set some boundaries with your kids with those things um we've tried and oh my gosh do we feel like the worst parents ever because 
this parent's letting their kid do that thing. And so right. we know we know what it feels like to be that bad parent, you know, and told how horrible yeah. we are. So yeah. uh, just, you know, we're Gen Xers. So we remember that. We remember that um, rap song, um, Will Smith, Parents Just Don't Understand. That's don't, right. That's I get right. that all the time. Um, but I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you, you know, because you are ministering to women and their children. So I think a lot of, a lot of what you're, you're, um, you're sharing about your own family and you're sharing about some of the, some of the boundaries that you place, you know, with your family and some of the spiritual growth that you want to see in your family. I'm sure that that's something that you're trying to translate into the women, um, understanding, making sure they understand their worth and, um, and, and then translate it because it is a generational problem. I think we've seen this. I know we see it in the Dominican Republic a lot. It's one of those things that just, if the mom, then the daughter, yep. and that's, those are yep. the first two people, the first two women we rescued were like, no, I don't want my daughter in this, in this right. situation. They're 14. I, you know, I, yeah. I want to get out. And, and so I, what speak into a little bit of that generational thing that you're, that you're ministering in. Well, a couple things is that you're right. We get actually moms who have been in the life and they call us when their daughters are, you know, we have a girl right now in our safe house here in Nashville that literally has grown up in trap houses, just, Mm -hmm. you know, all over the Southeast part of the U.S. And her mom called us and she turned, just turned 14. And she said, I don't want this for my daughter. You know, I'm, I feel stuck. And we got to encourage her. No, you're not stuck. Whenever you want help, let us know. But I don't want her to be like I am or grow up this way. And so um, watching that transformation, you know, when when kids like that come into our care, um, they only know what the world has told them they are. They only know what the world has placed on their value. I'll never forget a young girl telling me when I asked her, what's the worst thing that ever happened to you in trafficking? And I was expecting her to tell me some gruesome you know, event that happened. And she said, no, it was the first time I realized I was only worth a hundred dollars. And I thought, wow, you know, her, she saw her innocence as worth only a hundred dollars, which put value for the rest of her life on her. And so we do want to break those generational curses, but you know, God set a model for us of discipleship. And that was life on life. You know, Jesus only had 12 disciples for a reason. He could not disciple those 5,000 that he fed. You know, he could feed them and and preach to them and teach them, but he couldn't disciple them. And so the idea of us bringing women or children into our programs is that model of discipleship. We can't do it on a massive scale, which is how Rescue One got its name. I don't care that there's 40 plus million people enslaved in the world today, but for that one, we can change the life of that one. We can intervene in the life of that one. And so we pull those people into our homes. Our staff regularly take those moms and children into our own homes. You know, Reba, just like you were saying a minute ago, they need to see Daniel as that father figure. You know, they mm-hmm. they need to see me and him actually have a, an argument or a disagreement and realize, oh, they didn't punch each other. They didn't cuss each other out. They didn't mm-hmm. run away and, you know, go sleep with another man. Like, those aren't normal things. That's not what we should do. And so we want to model that in front of them so that we can give them a picture, a proper representation of, of what's possible. You know, it's, it's internally, we know it's about the gospel in Christ, but we don't ever shove the gospel and Jesus down anybody's throat. We want them to just see it because our life exudes Jesus. Everything about us is no strings attached love because that's the love that Jesus had for us. And so that's the way we want to break those curses is teaching them the love of Christ that he had for me and you. He came to rescue you and me 
why would we not give our life to rescue one more and, and, and just do that model over and over and over again. And so what's really cool is that these girls five and six years later, you know, they turn around and they go, all right, it's my turn. How do I help? How do I go back out there? I'm sure, Allie, you've seen that in, in the Dominican. We've seen it, you know, obviously overseas. And here in the U.S., we're just old enough as an organization to get some healthy people that can come back. And so we now have survivors that, you know, one of our, uh, I, I didn't say this earlier, but I have 12 kids, um, six biological kids, and then six we've adopted through our ministry. And one of my oldest adopted daughters, she's 26 now, she, um, she's Hispanic and she gives back to those that are Hispanic who come here and they, you know, they may not speak a lot of English. And her first thing is, okay, I'm coming. You got a new girl that's Spanish speaking. I'm showing up. I'm going to take her to church. I'm going to take her to shopping. I'm going to take her to the doctor. I'm going to take her to therapy. I'm going to be her friend. And it's all about that. We modeled something in front of them and that they can go and do on their own. And it's without shame and without guilt. It's just come as you are. And um, so, yeah, I think that's the easiest answer. So I know that there's special challenge. The reason that not a lot of people take in women and children at the same time is because it's complicated. Um, And yeah, so I know that as we are right now in Guatemala, uh, starting our first phase of our safe house, our model is going to take in children as well. And it's one of those women who have children. And so one of those things is, you know, we're, I'm, I'm wading through the mud of that right now, trying to figure out what that, what that should look like. But I mean, Lacey, tell us, I mean, you know, as you, as you work in some of your organizational homes have this opportunity, not just to minister to a mom, but a mom and a child together, how that plays out differently for you guys. Um, it's pretty much with that specific program, like running two programs simultaneously. So you have to have a team of people that focuses on those children because they're, they have their own sets of trauma, their own sets of things that they're dealing with. Um, and then it has to, you have to give the mom time and space. But what we found is that those children become a major player in the reason mom sticks it out. The reason mom wants to keep fighting is because she's fighting for more than just herself now. And so when we first started our home here in the States and even overseas two to three months and they were running, they were gone. They were leaving because we didn't necessarily have um, jobs. And I know Allie, you know, you have a great model there of providing socioeconomic, you know, sustainability for them with your jewelry and all the the mercy shop that you have, Uh, you know, and we didn't have that quite yet. We didn't have that opportunity. And so we were seeing women leave, but the women who came in with their kids, they never walked out because if they walked out, they were walking out on more than just themselves. And so to me, it was a great encouragement, kind of wanted me just to do that one thing (laughs) because it was, it actually made it a little easier if you had the staffing to deal with both the children and their daily needs. Um, and then the women. So it's like running two programs at the same time. Um, Overseas is a little easier, but here in the States, you know, you have a lot of red tape and a lot of regulations. And so the children have to be educated. So we're constantly having homeschool teachers that are coming in to teach our children, Um, you know, always needing volunteers to come and just take little kids out for half a day. So mom can do therapy. Um, Needs are arising all the time. Um, But we're, we're waiting through that. Like you said, just kind of going through the weeds and chopping them down as we them and then oh another one pops up and you got to go kind of chop it so um it's interesting but it's it's a great it's really awesome to watch it's one of our moms recently you know she got saved at church and her kids um 
didn't have church clothes. Now I know most people don't wear quote church clothes anymore to church, but, um, they thought they needed church clothes. And so she wanted to take some of her allowance money and go buy her kids a specific outfit for church because she thought, I want my kids to value this. And so it was really cool to watch how a mom came in. And when she came in, she was like, you can talk about Jesus, but I'm not interested all the way to where God radically intervened in her life and changed her life. And then her little son, you know, I watched him one Sunday walk up and put, drop some pennies in the offering plate. And I thought, that's what it's about. It's not about that offering. It's just about that modeling. Again, what I was talking about, Allie, is just modeling that in front of these these kids and these women. And they go, okay. And even if they walk away, Reba, because you're going to experience this when you open this home, some of them are going to walk away before it's time. Um, they're going to go back to the streets and those are hard days on your staff and your team. But the way we get through those moments is we say, we had an opportunity to plant seeds of hope that they'll never forget. And they won't walk away from that. Jesus was planted in their soul. And, you know, we talk about in the attracting world that sometimes it takes six to seven times for a person to be quote rescued or remove themselves from that situation to actually stick and stay. And you don't know if you're one or you're six, you know, when you intervene that time. And so we just thank God that we got to be number one or number four and leave it at that and say, okay, God, you're the savior. You're God. We're not. And thank God we're not. Um, and we're going to pray for them and we're always available for them to call back. But it's a really cool dynamic to watch moms and kids together. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, well, Lacey, as we wind things up, tell people if they want to find out more information about Rescue One, uh, tell, how, how do they do that? How can they connect with you guys? <laughs> Our website is rescue one global, the number one. So rescue number one global.org. Um, and we have Facebook, Instagram, those types of things as well that you can connect with us. If you happen to be in the Nashville area um, and you want to volunteer in the middle Tennessee area, we have lots of opportunities. Our prevention department um, goes out on the streets on a weekly basis. We're one of the only ones here in the I don't know too many people who do street outreach specifically targeting trafficking right here in the U.S., um, but we do that in about four locations around Middle Tennessee on a weekly basis. Um, we specifically target like homeless camps or hotels and motels that we know people are, quote, living at, and we take hot meals. So we take these great church ladies out there who want to get involved and we say, okay, cook 150 meals, show up at this time and bring them with you. And we're going to show you how to do this. And so we go out and we just love on people right where they are, knowing that the person we're serving could either be trafficked, being trafficked, or even be the trafficker. But again, we love them because Jesus loved them too. And so um, we just got to share the gospel. So there's opportunities like that. If you're in the Nashville area and you want to help out in our safe home program, um, there's lots of opportunities. We're actually looking for a house mom right now. We have two. We need one more because um, our team is stretched very thin. So if you feel like God's called you to missions, but you're not quite ready to go to Guatemala or the Dominican, um, and you just want to go down the street to Nashville, come on over. Yeah. And we, we have lots of staff positions that we need filled um, by good missionary minded people. Oh, that's awesome. Well, so that is, uh, just make sure that you've got that, um, get that, give us that website one more time. That's rescue the number one global.org. Global. Yeah. .org. 
All right. So, man, if you're listening, we hope that you will uh, find out more uh, about Rescue One, find out more about the work that Lacey and her husband Daniel are doing uh, there in the Nashville area, as well as around the around the globe uh, in Thailand and the Philippines. Exciting stuff. And it has just been, oh, it's been so nice to have you with mm-hmm. us today. So good to hear. And I think there's going to be a lot of moms that are going to be so excited about this podcast because <laughs> a lot of women ask these questions. Uh, and I think you've, you've helped a lot of women today just think about how to protect our kids what are some uh, uh, you know steps we can take uh, right here in the U.S. to make sure that uh, we do our best to help keep our kids safe so lots of great information and lots of good stuff today um, but we always like to end the podcast Lacey uh, especially the first time we have a guest with some fun rapid fire questions and we oh really no <laughs> yeah I know we really do this because I think there's a miss there's a miss idea out there that people who are somehow in ministry are un, are not human they're not they're not real um <laughs> yeah. and so we we want people to understand that we're pretty real they know me and Allie are real if they've been around us more than about 30 minutes uh or listen to this podcast <laughs> they figured it out um so Allie and I are just going to go back and forth um, and we'll, uh, we'll ask you some questions right here on rapid fire. And then we always end with the same one. So are you ready, Lacey, for rapid fire? Uh, I don't know, but I guess. <laughs> okay. They're easy. All right. So I'll kick okay. it off. What book has impacted you outside of the Bible? Oh, I just did a Bible study with some ladies called, um, forgiving what you can't forget. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was very powerful. You know, I went into it thinking that I was, not going to need that. I was helping the other people and I had to put the book down several times and just breathe for a week or two. Cause it was pretty much, you know, wow, it hit me straight in. So that's my newest book that just really impacted me. That's great. Um, I'm looking, I'll write that down. Uh, what are, what do you enjoy doing during your free time? Oh, free time. If you have free time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what uh, would be so nice to have. Um, well, actually, you know, we were talking earlier about self-care and, you know, trying to take care of ourselves and put back in. And so recently I've started walking every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just getting out in nature and breathing in Jesus from a different perspective, um, has been really great and good for me. So I really like to go walking. I like to spend time with my husband. He and I just, um, we grew up together. We talk about that all the time, how we grew up together. And so we just, we really like being together. So cool. All right, now this is a fun question, a little different, but um, there's always things about us that people misunderstand or they get wrong about us. So what is something that people often get wrong about you? Oh, um, actually, most people don't believe me when I tell them that I'm an ultimate introvert. Um, I am an absolute introvert in all ways, shapes, and forms. I can stand in front of a thousand people and speak and not struggle much at all. But if you put me one-on-one with someone that I don't have a previous relationship with, um, I would like to go crawl under the carpet and hide. (laughs) So I can go to an event and speak, but then you put me at the table to talk to people afterwards. And I'm like, somebody else, somebody else do this, not me. So that's one of the really funny things that people are just totally shocked when they find out. I like to go hide in my room. Maybe that's because I do have 12 kids too. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What is, um, you see, you mentioned that you don't really like movies. So tell us what a date night would look like. If you were, if you and Daniel went on a date night, what would you guys, what, what would you do? Oh goodness. Um, 
wow, I don't know. Usually we go just sit somewhere quiet Mm -hmm. and talk. Um, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So like going to sitting at the park or going to a restaurant and sitting quietly. Um, If you take me to the movies, he's like, I'm not paying $20 for you to go fall asleep. (laughs) Right. Because that's what I'll do. If I get quiet and still long enough, I'm going to go to sleep because I lack sleep all the time. So, <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, on your wonderful date night, what would, what's what's your favorite meal? I mean, if you could have any meal you want, what would you pick? Oh, I have two favorite meals, so it depends on which mood I'm in. Either mm-hmm. steak and potatoes, or I like Italian food too. So, like lasagna and pastas. Either one of those; those are my favorite foods. That's awesome. All right. So, what's on your nightstand? Um. Oh gosh. Right now, humidifier, um, <laughs> because my husband was very sick and I just haven't cleaned it up. And then um, I have a book, a new book that I haven't opened yet, but I'm waiting, waiting. for my time to free time yeah. to open it up. Um, I have a box of tissues and probably several cups from when I take a cup to bed yeah. and I don't ever pick it up. <laughs> That's probably it. <laughs> And probably so a whole a, lot of dust, a whole lot of yes. dust. Uh, dust. I, hate, I, I hate to dust. <laughs> so give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that really brings you a lot of joy. Oh, it just depends on what setting you want to ask that question. And, you know, watching my kids do something that, you know, playing sports, watching my kid, my son tackle some kid on the football field or, you know, watching my little one say a new Bible verse that she has or her ABCs or something, or really, you know, when it has to do with ministry, it's watching those aha moments when a young lady for the first time sees her value in life. Mm -hmm. And and it's it's like, you know, when we first get girls, their eyes are kind of hollow, dark and dead. And then all of a sudden when Jesus is infused into their life and that hope is infused, it's like this light bulb goes back off and you see a glimmer of hope and, and a smile. And so those are the moments that you just have to hold on to in our world mm-hmm. because they're not all, there's not often as you want them to be. Um, yeah. so you hold on to the wins and, and those bring me lots of joy and, you know, God's good. He gives those to me right when I need them, when I'm ready to throw in the towel and say, I'm done with this. I can't do it anymore. He reminds me, nope, this is why I called you. This is why I genetically encoded you to do what you're doing today. And, um, so pretty cool. Well, this is probably a similar question, but what is something that you're deeply grateful for? Um, I'm deeply grateful for a foundation that God gave me with my own parents. Um, Mm. I I quite often go back to, oh, this is what dad meant. (laughs) Oh, this is how this is how my mom and dad felt in ministry, you know, because I grew up in a ministry home. And so I'm deeply grateful to have that foundation that I didn't. I didn't know that was good back then. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. when I first met Reba as my coach, I probably didn't wasn't grateful for the things that I'm grateful for today, you know, and, and then I'm grateful that God gave me the husband, um, to come alongside him and, and that we can just counter each other in, in such a good godly way. And, mm-hmm. and life is just good, even when it's really hard and you're really at the lowest point, um, that peace that comes because of, of just doing what God asks you to do. And I, I tell people often, it's not about doing the big things in, in life. It's about the daily. Yes. It's about getting up today and go, okay, God, what are we doing together today? And um, just being consistent at that and just keeping on walking forward. Um, those are the things that bring me joy and gratitude. So, uh, That's cool. Well, last question. 
Um, with a podcast like Rooted Deep, you can't let a guest go by without asking them what 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 deeply roots you, what keeps you grounded uh, in, in all the things that God gives you. So last question is, what keeps you deeply rooted? Um, in some ways, that's easy, uh, but it's not a churchy cliche answer, but yet it's going to sound that way. Um, just spending time with the Lord mm-hmm. keeps me deeply rooted. Um, And again, 10 or 12, even 15 years ago, I probably wouldn't have, I I would have said, oh, that's the right answer, but that's probably not what I would have done. And the older I get, the more I find that my quiet time of just sitting with God and saying, okay, God, this is how I feel. You know, I I so appreciate Psalms and David's life and and hearing David lament, (laughs) you know, hearing him whine to Jesus and and all the time about, you know, God, why have thou forsaken me in some ways, you know, all all of this. (laughs) I can feel that because he was real. You know, the people in the Bible, they were real. And so I'm learning to look at the Bible and the stories that I was taught as a child that are, they're my life now. And, Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm seeing the things come to life that I once just thought were stories in a book. Um, and they're real to me and that faith, um, you know, faith has to be tested over and over again. And so just constantly allowing God to test my faith and saying, okay, God, I choose to walk through this trial and not run from it. Those are the things that keep me grounded because God's proven himself faithful over and over and over again. And so then the next time the trial comes, it's a little bit easier. It's a little bit easier to walk through because you go, okay, Satan, I already know how this ends. So we're just going to go through the hard time because the other side of it is lots of great joy and, and good things on the other end. So that's great. Thank you so much for sharing today. And I think that you've covered just in this, in this, in this small time that we've had, you've covered so much, um, you know, from, from just how women can protect their own families to also how they can get involved even past their, their own families. But then, mm-hmm. um, and then you, you know, just ending with that spiritual, um, deeply rootedness or deep rootedness, um, that you're talking about and, and the legacy that you have, um, and the legacy that you're continuing on, um, as a ministry family. And so so Lacey, thank you so much for taking the time today. And, um, and you have, we, we, we've noticed, we've heard it. You don't have a lot of time. So we're really grateful. <laughs> we're really grateful for the time that you spent today. And again, um, if you're interested in volunteering for, or just getting up, uh, involved a little bit more in rescue one, it is rescue number one global.org. And so Lacey, thank you so much. And for everybody else that's listening, we just want you to stay rooted deep. Thank you for listening to Rooted Deep. To learn more about Dare for More Ministries, go to dareformore.org and look up Mercy Workshop at mercyjewelry.org.